Welcome to the Money Captain Show with your host, Sky Davis. We tackle a simple concept. What happens when we get everyday people in a room and just talk money? Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to another episode of Money Captain. For this episode, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce the audience to Gianni Latange, creator of First Gen Money Musings. Gianni is a teacher, entrepreneur, investor, and commercial and residential real estate owner who teaches financial freedom and lessons on how to build generational wealth, especially for Black and Brown folks and queer people of color. So Gianni, I'd love it if you could dig a little deeper and tell the audience a little more about yourself. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction, Sky. I really appreciate it. So um, I have had the pleasure of um, recently actually leaving my teaching job and um, at the moment preparing for a new career transition as well as really taking the leap with my new um, creative baby and platform, as you mentioned, first gen money musings. So just a, a space for me to relay different strategies that I have come across and continue to come across and share um, as a first generation wealth builder. And it's really important for me to leverage the things that I have had the uh, privilege of learning through a number of different circumstances and sharing that with others, especially if they can have that sort of um, generational impact and allow us to empower ourselves financially. That's great. And I can't wait to like talk a little bit more about your initiatives a little later. I'd love it if we could kind of talk a little bit about your past and how you grew up. How was the topic of money handled for you growing up? Yeah, I mean, I... My mom had me in her late teens, so um, that definitely had an impact on us financially. And um, her her family and her parents coming from, you know, the Caribbean, so they, they she was raised in Brooklyn during a time where it wasn't what it is right now. Um, there yeah. were <laughs> way less supports and resources um, and way less supports and resources specifically for black people. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of different challenges that she had to face, um, especially being a new mom and not really, um, you know, like my mom didn't have the Internet. Can you imagine yeah. trying to look for a job without the Internet? And I know no, I sounds can't. so naive, but... <laughs> Truly, I'm I'm impressed by her because she yeah. just really was always um, like a, an A student, uh, very curious, wanted to be a lawyer, actually. So she was just very good from a young age at like communicating with different bu- businesses and companies. So I really mm-hmm. learned a lot of that from watching her, um, right. just the way that she records conversations, you know, gets her an information, asks for discounts or um, different promotions in a way that really is to her benefit and seeing how she can leverage these systems um, out of necessity as well, right? Having um, to provide for me. So money was something that was challenging, but open. You know, I could hear, my mom would say like, this is what you need to do when you get older or I want you to take note of how I have a notebook next to the phone Mm -hmm. where I keep a record of all the conversations that I'm having with different um, 
utilities providers, uh, insurance providers, et cetera, gets, gets everyone's name, gets everyone's identification number, writes down those key points. It's very good at, um, you know, communicating that information back. So just seeing how we had to kind of be um, pressed about money in those ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Also because of that uh, racial and gender factor that my mom was facing, like for her as a dark-skinned Black woman, um, there's a lot of assumptions and things that she has had to face and she's had to be protected and shield herself through these, these different systems by kind of deploying that back to them. Um, but yeah, yeah I feel like I have to have your mom on next. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, she truly would be, um, a huge asset to the conversation. I'm really yeah. just always impressed by her in her own right. Um, you know, of course, as we all got some healing to do, you know, I'm gonna be real my mom. <laughs> okay. Don't we like, all, don't we all. <laughs> I love that you said challenging, but open the conversations, you know, that you had with your mom around money. Cause I feel like so many of us really don't have that, you know, mm-hmm. element with our parents. So that's really inspirational. What would you say was your first money memory? Hmm. I would say probably one of my first, I don't know if this is my absolute first, but it's the one that jumped out to me. And I mm-hmm. think it's one of the ones where I was actually confronting my mom about money that she had borrowed from me when I was like oh, seven wow. or eight. I was like, mom, like, <laughs> You know, you said you were going to give me back this money. And she was like, I put it in a bank account for you. And I don't think she did. But like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like she had to use it for she had to use it for bills and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Things that you don't understand when you're like seven. Right. Like, what what am I paying? (laughs) Exactly. Or like knowing that there's bills, but still not really understanding why there isn't enough. Like why work so much and she's still struggling to take care of us you know like all of those different factors so I think that came to memory right now because over the years I've really um come to value the restrictions that my mom has placed on me in certain respects like that you know or um saying like actually you can't be out here till two in the morning you know you're (laughs) 16 years old like and you don't understand it and I don't really have to um I've tried my best to explain it to you and you still don't get it. But, you know, I have to walk away and trust (laughs) that you're going to respect this. You know, things like that. So that's what comes to mind. It's like hindsight is twenty twenty. Like as adults, we understand that. But I was yes. saying to you at like sixteen, like why can't I do what I want? Like right. what? <laughs> what are consequences? What is what is that word? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, what was your first job? Yes, um, my first job was uh, I, I was fourteen, and it was an internship for um, a, a corporate law firm called Walkto Lipton Rosen and Katz, and. Um, it was pretty intense. Um, I was really interested in, in corporate law at the time. Again, kind mm-hmm. of inspired by my relationship to money. And um, right. I was, I fortunately got the opportunity to attend um, independent schools um, in middle and high school in Brooklyn because I got nominated to a program that helped um, really prepare me academically uh, and for some of these other challenges that I would face in these different spaces but I was entitled to have that sort of access to that that level of um, quality education that's often denied to black and brown communities so um, through the program 
And all the work that I put in, I joined this firm as a summer intern. And it was really cool. They're the number one uh, mergers and acquisition firm in the country still to this day, which is very interesting. Um, So a lot of banking, corporate finance overlap. And I actually worked in human resources, but I believe I finished all of the work for the for my whole summer internship within the first like Mm -hmm. week and a half. So then they hired me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm I'm done. And they were like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? And they were like, what do you mean? Did you go through the whole Excel file? And I'm like, yeah, I I did. You're like, Like, this is not difficult. Um, yeah, so that actually, they actually, um, added me to the interaction data management department. So I was one of those people who ended up having two completely different departmental experiences. And I kind of carved that out for myself because I was just ambitious and I, um, yeah. That's amazing. So that was cool. It was paid also. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I put a little, I put a lot of, um, perspective for me on like what people deserve financially, mm. like from their jobs, because here I am 14 years old and I'm 14. Yes. Now. Yes. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> over, that's over a decade ago. And yeah. that very first job at 14, I believe I was making $15 an hour. So, wow. you know, when- that's amazing because like, you know, back then, you know, that wasn't <laughs> like $15 an hour just now is, you know, minimum, minimum wage. wage. So, right. Yeah. It's amazing. Right. So that's what made me kind of always be like a fierce advocate of like, no, we got to get this financial stuff popping because these these yeah. spaces um, are keeping they got the money. You know what I'm saying? Like I was 14 years old and I was making this money like there are so many other people who should have access to the sort of capital that these institutions have access uh, to. Yes, 100 percent. And do you remember what you did with your first paycheck? Um, I think I was. You know, I really wish I saved my money back then because yeah, it's I really, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I think I gave some of it to my family. I think that, yeah, I think I used part of it to pay for like school. And I know I also spent a good amount of it on like shopping, um, but yeah. nothing crazy. I probably like, I don't know. I probably spent like $500 on shopping, which was like maybe one paycheck out of all of my paychecks for the summer. But still, I don't really know where that money is. And I wish that I knew all the things that I knew now because I would have applied it so much differently. Yeah. And I'd love to talk about your trajectory from, you know, 14, like really being interested in law, corporate law at that. So like what you're doing now, I read a recent post where you spoke about how your life was just so different two years ago and how you felt you weren't really, you know, living in your purpose. And now you're standing as an inspiration to hundreds, if not thousands of us. So do you remember the moment where you decided like enough was enough? And what was that moment of reckoning for you? Yeah. So my strategy, um, coming into out of middle school into high school was to get access to as many different opportunities as possible that were high income producing, to be quite honest. Yeah, no, that's I knew that. Well, I wish that was my strategy. <laughs> my strategy was like, oh, I like English. Let me do liberal arts. No. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, but it, that's the thing. Like, I love liberal arts too. And I love integrating that. Like, yeah. But I, 
I um, had a way of communicating across those different um, those different disciplines that I think uh, really served me. So, you know, just hearing people, even my mom from a young age saying like, you should be a lawyer, like, you know how to argue you're, you know, behind off or whatever, things like that. But just like, also my mom is a very clever and intelligent woman. And like knowing that she is also a little tripped up as, you know, kids can do sometimes with folks. But, um, so that wasn't that, um, introduction into law was kind of inspired by, me taking up a public office in school. And also I started debating competitively Mm -hmm. um, across the country. So, and that was really important for me. Actually the man who um, was director of the middle school and our coach is quite amazing. He's also a native New Yorker, um, uh, Jewish. He went to Harvard when he was 16, like ran across, um, Japan, like did all these really amazing things throughout his life and had this sort of oneness about him that really inspired um, me because he saw something in me. I was quite shy going to the school at first because it was like, I've never been around so many white people before. Like, you know, the neighborhood itself was incredibly different, like from what I grew, from what I was used to. Um, So I felt Mm -hmm. like I had kind of retreated within myself, but he really encouraged me to join debate. And it's something that has done so much for me now. So that that inspired their initial interest in corporate law, especially like having to research for my briefs and everything for the tournaments. I'm learning so much Mm -hmm. about the world. But then I was also really interested in in finance because, you know, like I said, ties to money and I was really good at math. Um, I like being in charge, which is pretty funny, um, kind of like a teacher's pet, but someone who really has the, the best intentions <laughs> at heart. And, you know, sometimes I reflect yeah. on um, how I went about things sometimes as a, as a young girl, a little bossy at times, but, you know, we got some <laughs> things in check, but usually, usually it was to other boys, you know, it was because they were out of line and I'm like, hold up. <laughs> brother let me tell you something um so I was definitely bossing with them but um, yeah yeah, so I I um spent some time in um more finance experiences after that experience in law so like I got into an Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship program like partnered with Goldman Sachs so I did that early on in my high school years ended up also interning for an impact investing, um, analytics team. So, mm-hmm. um, that was cool. And I did, um, spend some time at internships and in banking as well, but all of those, since I had an abundance of those experience in, in high school and college, I didn't want to do that when I was graduating mm-hmm. from college. So ultimately I decided to teach. So mm-hmm. that's what I was doing for the past four years. And I thought it was a way for me to leverage the wealth of information and experiences that I've gotten through these sort of settings that these schools say that they are, you know, closing the achievement gap and trying to put kids in the position to yeah. be able to navigate these spaces. I'm like, look, I'm an expert. <laughs> I've gotten all these things, you know, not on some like, um, like cocky sort of tip but like no I'm you know I'm literally no yeah own right own your exactly experiences like I'm a, for sure. I am I have so much in common with these kids like I went and taught in this yeah. 
You're like, I've been doing right. this since I was 14. And I taught in the neighborhood that I was born yeah. in. So like, it was very personal for me. Yeah. Um, it was very intentional for me to teach right. um, in my community. Um, but ultimately, like there's so many other really um, systemic challenges that make being a teacher really challenging and um, unsustainable for me and ultimately yeah. like my broader life purpose. Can you talk a little bit about those struggles that you Yeah, face? I think um, for one, like, I think that a lot of the schools have adopted methods that mirror uh, corporate spaces where they're kind of oppressive. Like where you can't uh, impose the sort of conditionality that you're trying to do in these corporate spaces onto kids, like, and then expect them to carry yeah. all this pressure and this weight. Um, also urgency around test scores and um, just like things that feel like kind of benchmarking that mirrors the systems that we all kind of grow to despise. Um, even like yeah. some of our rewards-based systems that they've tried in different instances and in, in the different schooling institutions that I've been a part of, um, like, I just feel like, you know, like it, it, there's just so much bias there. It's just, I'm, it's so obvious to me that these things don't work. It's like, why are we wasting our time? Not only are, do these things not work, right. but they can be directly harmful, you know, like having all like 33 kids in a class or um, where they have a variety yeah. of different levels of, of needs. And also even like the food, you know, like, our food that goes yeah. into our public schools, like milk contracts are horrible. Not in, on some like um, discriminatory tip, but like black people, like a lot of people of color should not be eating dairy. And actually the FDA made yeah. it so that you can no longer advertise dairy as a healthy part of a meal because it is proven um, to just be so carcinogenic and inflammatory. There's a reason why you're, when you're ill, uh -huh. they say to stay away from dairy because it only exacerbates the infection. Mm -hmm. So it's like they, these yep. kids are being pumped full of dairy products, like starting off their days, you know, way early. I was at work between 6.30 and 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, uh, you know, putting that sort of pressures on the kids, there was just too much um, that... Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do. Um, and there, I just feel like there wasn't enough people who maybe were committed in the same way or. Yeah, or, yeah way, exactly. Right. Like committed in, in an, a, and I mean, in a, a, a very explicit way, because there are people who committed and definitely love our kids and I love them, too. But I feel like not enough people yeah. spoke up with me about things and I, I was always speaking up. And I know that if you ever met somebody that I w worked with, they would absolutely tell you that that I, Gianni was always vocal yeah. and advocating for these different needs always so that just becomes exhausting you know like having not a yeah I can imagine and when did you like take that step you know along to like just focus on you know teaching people and being you know a partner alongside their journey to financial yeah, wellness what did that moment look um, like for you? It's, it's so funny because it really was kind of super unexpected. I kind of boil it down mm -hmm. to two really significant moments for me. And one was in fall of, I want to say 2018. Yeah. When around um, Thanksgiving on Black Friday, I started sharing oh, information wow. about 
um, kind of changing our narratives from consumers to investors and using our money as a dollar vote um, as a proxy vote by purchasing the companies that we buy instead of buying you know, just the products themselves. So if you like Nike, right. buy, consider buying Nike stock. Or how about you do both? Right. Buy those Nike shoes. Great. You got that discount. Now you have enough money. The money that you were going to spend, buy a stock, right? Let's just start opening up the right. conversation around being what it means to be an investor. And I actually got a, a huge amount of traction. Like I, I ended up, I had like probably a thousand followers or something on Instagram, you know, or a thousand people who were friends or whatever. And I ended up getting like thousands of views on those stories. Um, and I just did for me, but what felt kind of like very mundane was something that a yeah. lot of people saw. Um, and then that led to me just sharing more because I was also taking my financial journey more seriously upon coming upon, like I was, you know, I wasn't always, fully in the know like I'm not gonna play like that right right yeah. but I was seeing yeah. folks who were yeah. becoming very successful by um learning more about how to apply systems to their benefit like in a way that um really helps so much accomplish these broader dreams that financial freedoms allow so like Kendra Kendra Barnes of the key resource like just learning about all these different housing programs um, and how she basically house hacked her way, you know, 10 doors to being retired at 32. And I'm like, whoa, a black woman yeah. from modest means like, you know, she did this. This is awesome. And then now I'm following her and I'm learning about all these other people. And that's just opening yeah. up my world. And then I'm hearing about this thing called fire, like financial independence, retire early. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, people are doing this teachers are doing this yes. this is not unachievable yeah. it's strategic and it's it's numbers at the end of the day and while yeah. there are these other systems like that's not gonna stop me you know and you know mm -hmm. thank thank the universe that I have so much beautiful imagery of people who look like me who are doing this successfully like it's so important right. to have that for sure um so, and yeah, and then I felt that more in my immediate circle when I was trying to look for roommates um, to share a three-bedroom apartment with me that I had already rented out with another um, friend, but she was, she was, uh, it was just me and her. And then she was, uh, told me kind of unexpectedly that she had gotten approved for her own apartment, her own studio apartment. So she, uh, she transitioned on there and... I wanted to have another black woman or two come and move in because it was a three bedroom place. And unfortunately it wasn't really lining up where the people who I felt most comfortable with um, were, were not prepared as was seen by like, you know, management to be able to qualify for the apartment. And I had to screen them first. And I, because I had to screen them and because I was like, checking for people and because I also went directly through the application process and was approved like no problems etc and as someone right. who has a lot of fight experience in finance I know what to look for and I know how to um, help mm. people but it was always something missing so it'd be an income credit or even capital like savings you know if so if if something was off so maybe you had great credit but your income is, is kind of low. 
for the rent of the apartment. Well, let's take a look at your bank statements. Oh, you don't have savings? Sorry, we can't approve you. Whereas like mm. white people who were hitting me up about the apartment, they were ready. They had everything together. And a lot of them had guarantors, even if they didn't have the, um, they, they, if they didn't have the money themselves to pay for it. Right. Whereas a lot of us in black and brown communities, we may not have um, guarantors available to us because our families are also struggling financially or we're actually supporting them. Right. Like, so it was just a huge disparity and it was unfortunate. Luckily I ended up getting my own place um, because I actually didn't realize how great of a financial position I was in through kind of like, yeah picking up this information and curating my finances accordingly. But, um, and that was a blessing in of itself. So all of these kind of are like these things that felt kind of unfortunate or like many tragedies led me more deeply to my purpose. Like I was able to get a great rent stabilized apartment that is also big enough that I can rent part of it out of. Um, and you know, like fully privately and has great access to, uh, express trains access to a huge park etc like that kind of just like fell in my lap and I was approved the same day so it's like even though it was like really hard that I wanted to live with like black members of my community especially because that apartment was across the street from my elementary school in bedside like that was really important to me um really seeing the neighborhood shift in a way where like look I've been around so many different people my whole life but to be quite real, people who deserve to be there are being pushed out. And I, it was really important pushed for me out, to try to stay. Sure. And I wasn't able to, yeah. not because I couldn't carry myself, but that as we can't just solely focus on ourselves, like we're a community, we need each other. And what advice would you give someone who's just beginning, you know, their journey to financial wellness? For someone just beginning their journey to financial wellness, I would say um, to start, get comfortable learning and emphasizing your financial safety. So there are so many opportunities to learn about money, right? You can just Google how to budget or how to plan for your money. And so many great YouTube videos will come up. That's free. If you have a library card or in many cases, you don't even need a library card. There's places where you can rent audiobooks for free online. Just Google rent audiobooks free. You can find a lot of finance books um, that you don't even have to look at it with your eyes. You can have them say it to you. Just start getting that information in because that financial safety is what is really going to help allow you to take the risk to build wealth because you cannot build wealth without risk. And that's just reality. So, and by financial safety, I mean like having at least six to 12 months of living expenses, saved liquid, in addition to having high interest debt be paid down. We gotta get that expensive debt out of the way because it's gonna eat into any other potentialities that we deserve and that we should have access to. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so powerful. And do you have any apps or tools that you use to manage your savings? To be honest, no, I'm a pencil and paper type of budgeter. Um, That works the best for my personality. 
And of course, I'm going to report on different apps and I will try them out and things of that nature because like the community I'm cultivating is interested in that and needs that sort of guidance. But ultimately, it's best for me to put things like down on paper. Um, and I'm, I just am, I generally have the developed habit of regularly checking my accounts and making sure things are in order and recording as follows. So that's why I don't personally feel like I need a super regimented um, system. And I think that my spirituality is also really important for my, um, the, the sort of wellness relationship I have with my finances. As far as like it comes to savings, your girl knows how to save. Like, I don't have to, you know, like I don't need to press about. I'm always looking at, look, how much more money can I save? Like, you yeah. know, I'm like, do I really need that? Nah, I don't need to get that. I really feel that into my savings. Like, I love to save. So for yeah. me, I don't, but I'm not someone who's like, oh my God, I save like this much, this much money. Like, I need to share that amount. Um, regularly or like I need to track that regularly because it doesn't really matter as long as I'm invested in the habit I know that my personality is gonna want to save as much as possible because I like having money yeah (laughs) like I love that I love that you just said that like invested in the habit I feel like a lot of people fail to relate you know psychology with our individual money mentalities so Mm -hmm. how do you help clients move through like blockers they may have concerning money Because for you, like you said, like, you know, cultivating a saving habit is easy, but for so many people, it's it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think that, so for first-gen money musings, I am, so I've taken a shift from what I was doing more on my personal platform to this platform. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now with this, with this brand, this platform, I'm really focused on like, getting together information that people can um, use to apply. So I'm really seeking people to connect with people who are um, like-hearted and Mm -hmm. like-spirited to help create this community with me, like people who are prepared to act. Because I think like for me, like at this point in my life, I think it's like resonating with people who are... um, putting themselves in the position to make these things happen is really important because as we're lifting each other up, we're able to increase our impacts and Mm -hmm. like get, get people hype about personal finance. Like we're getting, we're all getting prepared by like sharing one another's journeys, sharing strategies. So on first gen money musings is really the sort of like energy that I'm looking to cultivate there. Um, And so I'm not really focusing on like super foundational things for money mm-hmm. um, or people who are like, or who are not interested in facing your finances. Like, mm-hmm. no, if you come to my page, like if you come to this space, you like are about, you're ready. Yeah. Um, and that's not to discourage anybody, but that's what, I don't know. And I'm still, I'm still meditating on it as well. Yeah. No, I mean, just like side side out. I'm definitely waiting for your ebook to drop so I can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, like yes, like I'm tr- I'm so excited for that ebook to drop too because I want more people to like buy in the neighborhood that I bought, you know. Yeah. And I also like I really want us to like 
legit cultivate generational wealth in that sort of way where it's like we have roots here right like we have yeah, an impact exactly and we have br- broader impact on these different levels and layers right um how those votes count what our communities are going to look like what other things we have access to because of that so that's what i'm what i mean by, like so you're excited great you're the person that i want to connect with i want you yeah. to be excited yeah <laughs> I am girl. Like, I don't want to have to convince people why, like, they need to um, right. care about this. Yeah, because we got to act. Like, yeah. it's our time. I agree. So, how has COVID affected your, you know, financial outlook? Has it in any way affected anything? I know you just recently purchased a house. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, it's crazy because. Even with COVID, like this is the most confident I've felt like about leaving my job, like my full-time job. I've thought, yeah. thought about it for the past couple of years, just because of like some of those factors that I've talked about with you. But um, I still felt super confident because I had the financial safety. I had the financial yeah. security. I had saved over a year's worth of expenses um, to prepare me to leave that job regardless so for me i'm like look even if covid is happening for several months like you're good i'm good and it's like even if it takes the whole year if it takes the whole year that is a bigger problem and my savings <laughs> for you like that's like the world exactly we'll at that point if it if it's March 2021 and COVID is still popping like nah like it's just you know what I'm saying like that's that's all the universe at that point and look I tilt my hat um so that's how I saw it I I said you know now or never like when am I gonna have the time where so much um there's so much support for people to be virtual and like people are being flexible with their time people are being creative etc and because I knew that I wanted to shift into tech, like tech was still hiring, like, you know, considerably, yeah. even of course, like people, that's not to say people aren't getting laid off in tech, but it's still like, you have hard skills that are in, you know, kind of invaluable. In demand. Yeah. Right. So even if I, even if like, like, as I'm fully prepared and like comfortable with JavaScript and all this sort of kind of languages that you see supporting and working with javascript like i'll be able to market my services or market my skill set myself because i know that i'm confident in my ability like as an entrepreneur so even if i'm you know like not with a tech company yeah that's how i saw it like it's just a good investment in myself overall and i need to make an investment just in me because gianni has been watching these babies for the past four years (laughs) i love them but (laughs) no it's time for me to live my um rich auntie lifestyle as I like to joke about I love it (laughs) I love it yes and I'd love it if you know we're nearing the end if you can share uh ways that the audience can connect with you yes absolutely so audience can connect with me by following me on at first gen money musings and that's my name on Instagram my blog and website are going to be launching soon, soon. I'm really excited. Yes. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I've been working working on it a little bit. 
um, getting everything up, seeing how I like things. And also you can find me on YouTube at Gianni, a money muse, and I should pop up and, um, yeah, you can learn a little bit more about my real estate journey there. And some of the videos that I've done on just, just different money strategy. That's really easy to apply right now. Um, but yeah, that's where I'd be at. <laughs> I want to thank you so much, Yanni. You are truly an inspiration. And I'm not joking about that ebook. I am every day refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to get first gen money musings up to like 2000 folks on Instagram. Um, you yeah. know, before I drop it, but that's also giving me some good editing time. So that's good. But yeah. I don't know, it might happen faster than I thought because I started my page about two weeks ago and I'm, you know, making some, making some moves up there. So we'll that's awesome. All right. So now we're going to end with our five rapid fire questions and just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the first one is, have you spent, uh, found yourself spending more money during COVID or less? Um, about the same. I'm just pretty brutal generally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to know the answer to this, but what's been your biggest money purchase in the last two years? Definitely this property. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a funny one. What's the weirdest thing that you've ever spent money on? Hmm. The weirdest thing. Huh. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. I was like thinking and then I was like, wait, that's not weird. Story. And then you're like. <laughs> well, because I was going to say like an on like an affirmations. Um, and an affirmations, like a healing affirmations. But I don't think that's weird. You know, I had to check yeah, myself no, for a bit. Um, yeah. Because that was really impactful for me. And I think it's important. It, you know, we know the power of language. So I don't, for you sure. know, to be honest, I don't really know right now. Yeah. No, that's fair. So what would you say have been your biggest money mistake? Um, my biggest money mistake has been, I guess, not knowing um, when I was younger, like, all the different ways I could have been applying my money. Uh, and like you were saying earlier, hindsight is twenty twenty. So I wish that from my very first job, when it was mm -hmm. early 2000s economy and I was making $15 an hour, yep. I... Thrown it into Amazon, but, Google, all but of it. I should have had my IRA <laughs> pop in by then. Yep. Bitcoin when right it was now. still $2. I would literally be in... I would what? But you know what? And same thing with crypto. Like, yeah, to like take more risk. Um, yeah. And learn. Yeah. But yeah. So last but not least, what's your favorite finance book? Hmm. You know, I don't have a singular um, save. Uh, there are different ones that I like for different reasons and like at different like skill set or not skill set, but awareness levels in your money journey. So like a simple path to wealth is like a pretty standard, like um, community fave. But another, like, I like books that are kind of non explicitly finance um, 
related, but really influenced my system of thinking and my belief system to like just embody the person that attracts the sort of generational wealth and financial freedom I'm manifesting. So um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman mm-hmm. is one of my favorite ones. It's a great one. Yeah. So that's not personal finance related, you know, yeah. but that's the book that I thought yeah. about when you asked me that question. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Again, Johnny, thanks so much for being on with us and spending this time with us. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode, Money Captain. Can't wait to see you next time.